Hello, and welcome back to Home is a Changeling, the podcast. I am back with my friend, Rebecca Rowland, and we are going to catch up on um, some things that we just didn't get to during our first chat uh, from just a couple months ago. And um, if you haven't listened to the first interview that I did with Rebecca, go back and listen to part one, um, which will give you a lot of context for this one. And then um, and then come back here and listen to part two. So welcome back. Welcome back to the show, Rebecca. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm so good. Uh, thank you for having me back. I'm excited for this uh, part two discussion and to get into it. Yeah. 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 So um, I I just remembered something happened to me yesterday that um, made me think of you and um, it, in a good way, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I was getting gas and I, I looked down on the ground next to the gas pump and there was this little booklet and the cover of the booklet had this drawing of like a like a biker looking dude and I think there might have been like a confederate flag in the background and the name of it was bad bill and I just knew I knew as soon as I saw it I'm like this is like a come to Jesus like little pamphlet and I didn't even look at it because I was like I I know what's inside of it and but I was like I don't (laughs) I don't like that it's like littering this this pristine gas station. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, oh so I I, I threw it that. away. You did. <laughs> I threw it away. I did look at the last page just to be sure, and it did have some like Bible verses on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, you know what? I gotta say they're a good read. <laughs> Granted, they, I haven't read one in probably over thirty years. I but I can see them crystal clear in my head and uh, the, the drawing style is so distinct. I'd actually like to meet the artist that put these together. Yeah. Probably long gone by now, but gosh. Yeah. Um, and just this idea of like, I mean, I was curious, like, was it, what was the deal with the Confederate flag? Like, was it like, oh, we all like white biker dudes must you know, wear Confederate flags on their leather jackets or whatever. Like what, what is this idea that like somebody has of someone who needs to find God? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think that's the whole thing with those pamphlets is they distill people down to these like stereotypes. And it's like, like, I remember there's one for the drunk person and the like lazy person and like all of these different, you know, kind of caricatures of of people and um and what's missing from their life is is jesus and uh otherwise like the you're burning in hell (laughs) (laughs) so yeah don't want to burn in hell you're writing writing that harley has the answer for you (laughs) (laughs) oh man um yeah, I think people probably have this idea that Western Washington is just this, you know, everyone is progressive and like 
everyone, <laughs> everyone's like androgynous and loving it. And nobody, like everybody recycles. It's just this like, but it's, but we have all the, the same, you know, uh, the tapestry of humanity that everywhere else has. Um, oh yeah. You get like <laughs> five miles outside of Seattle and, and people are like, uh, I don't even go, I don't go to Seattle. Seattle's like scary. And they have this thing built up in their heads of what Seattle looks like. Like I know two people on the East side that are like, Oh, which is means that like the East side is, um, over the bridge to like Bellevue, mm -hmm. like cities that are East of, of Seattle, but still considered a part of the, like, the core, but um, I say that not for you, but of course the, the listeners yeah. who are well, I, familiar. So people <laughs> on the east side are like, no, I would never go into Seattle because they still have like the Chaz or whatever that thing was called from the pandemic. When you, do you remember when people like set up a, a um, the end? Uh, what is it? Not androgynous zone, whatever it was, like where um, uh, like. They in in one of the parks in Capitol Hill, they created this thing that's like no cops shall enter here, and mm -hmm. it's supposed to be like anarchy um, or whatever. And uh, so I had friends in Seattle that are literally going to this thing, like it, they're tourists in mm. this like curiosity of this movement of like people who have taken this this thing over in Seattle, and others who are like you're all gonna die everyone in Seattle is like it's a battle zone so it's really funny how like um you know I know people outside of um the state even have this um this uh thought of what people are like and but even people barely within like 10 mile radius of it have a uh, a very distinct feeling of what it is and it's it's so interesting to me that um how quickly these things arise and become so entrenched into people's viewpoints mm -hmm. about something and there's little you can do or say to shake it yeah I think that's what's so fascinating to me it's like mm, that's not my experience or yeah I think that a lot of cities are experiencing these challenges right now and it's not just because they are liberal run, it's because, you know, that everything's becoming so much more expensive and uh, and it's like, oh, it's by inflation. And it's like, mm, it's actually just corporate greed when you really look <laughs> to it and understand. It's like, you know, like really getting people to try to think critically beyond, you know, some of these um, semi-accepted um viewpoints that's just really interesting yeah yeah i i follow um governor jay Inslee on facebook and instagram and like uh -huh. i just I, I should just not read comments of things oh, you know so i really <laughs> um but like there are people who drive around and and I'm sure this happens in this happens in a lot of other states. People who drive around with like the fuck Inslee stickers on their cars, and I'm just like, I personally would not drive around with any sort of um, 
any sort of slurs or anything on my car because yeah. I'm like, kids can read. I don't want my kid to see that. Right. Um, but also the fact that like, um, yeah, I, I guess I, this whole, um, I, I feel very strongly about um, certain politicians but there is just something really jarring about seeing people drive around who who took the took the time, have these feelings, took the time to like slap it on their car and they want everybody else to know like this is not my, you know, this is not my governor. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting and I um I always try to think like what is this governor doing that is so mm-hmm disastrous to your life and I understand like during the pandemic and maybe that's what spurred it like there are just so many people who are like um anti-mask and anti just anything to do with that and I remember like I used to tune in to all of Jay and Inslee's like um live um updates because it was like oh especially at the beginning when it's like how long is lockdown gonna be like are we done like where is um, the data <laughs> pointing us? Um, and, you know, reading the comments of those and just people just so mad about it. And I was just like, and am still just fascinated by how um, the science became this partisan thing. And it's just like, how in the world did this happen where masks became a sign of your political affiliation. Yeah. It's just so interesting to me. And like the conspiracy theories and like all of the stuff that came out of that time that continued Continues. to this day. Oh yeah. And you know, like calling Travis Kelsey like Mr. Pfizer and like that that whole relationship is just like crazy. Like yeah. And I also conspiracy. So weird. <laughs> I also wonder and I I mean, we've already gone down a bit of a rabbit hole, but yeah. <laughs> like the the accessibility to all this information at our fingertips um makes it feel very, very urgent and widespread. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't even want to engage with that because I feel like it's it's uh you know, continuing this conversation that I don't even, you know, believe in. But other times I'm like, well, I, I need to know what um, <laughs> what these people over here are thinking about, because yeah. in a lot of ways, the the people who like a I think I still think the the really intense, really uh I don't want to say crazy but the really intense right wing people uh-huh. are still a very small subset um but they are so loud and yes. and they have managed to do a lot they've managed to do a lot of damage that I'm also like I don't want to stoop to that level but also like we're facing some really dire uh elections coming up that yeah. because uh, people on the other side didn't um, didn't do enough. So <laughs> to, to keep it pretty vague, because this isn't we don't want to dig in too much, but I'm just like, I don't know. What, how do you yeah. how do you reconcile that? Yeah. Blech. Well, I think <laughs> that that's interesting, you know, to kind of 
bring it around. Like, you know, I lived in my Seattle bubble um, and coming up and leaving Seattle and coming up to Camino, which is um, an hour north, is has been interesting because um, it's much more, I think, blended between your... Um, you know, your Seattle retiree who it still espouses a lot of those, um, you know, liberal thoughts. And then your person who has grown up in the country, which I know is a stereotype, but, um, and then it tends to be redder. So like, um, there's a lot of, a lot more mixing of that such that Camino tends to be more purple, um, a reddish purple, I would even say, um, than definitely what I've been used to in Seattle. And um, so I think that it, in moving, it's, um, you know, an exposure to a lot of those viewpoints that the Seattle bubble just doesn't even really expose you to, unless you are reading the comments under <laughs> a Jay Inslee post, <laughs> for instance. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, this is also... Um... I think you and I both, um, because, I mean, you obviously, like we talked about last time, you've lived in a bunch of different places um, and you had your own like culture within your family, but um, you and I both lived in South Carolina for quite a while and now um, live here, you for a lot longer than I have, but how do you feel that that has that had an impact on on your worldview of like your community? I mean, living a lot of different places. You mean? Well, yeah, yeah. Or I'm South Carolina specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that you know, coming being in South Carolina and going to the Southern Baptist churches that I did and just being really enmeshed in that community and um, just so much of that conservative thinking, I think so much of that followed me um, to to, um, my life in Seattle and and my viewpoint and such that... um, there's so many things that I held on to that were just um, enmeshed in in my in my thinking that um, you know very staunchly um, anti-abortion and um, kind of like even anti-understanding of homeless people and like all of these things as like pull yourself up by the bootstraps and you know. Uh, without really thinking what those bootstraps are and where they can come from, and I think that. I think a lot about how um, liberal I've become in my viewpoint since living in Seattle. Um, And I think it's like a big point, yes, to being here, but also a lot of it, um, a lot of my thinking evolved actually because of Audrey. And Audrey, I think, has always been someone very inquisitive, reading like, crazy like books that I'm like what 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 made you pick this up like um and just always being um open and inquisitive and really challenging me from such a young age on my thinking you know if I make like a comment about you know on, on like 
housed person I call it now. It was like, oh, the homeless people, like walking, whatever, like, and just really challenging me on some of that thinking. And um, so I really attribute her and her like strength to instead of me being the one to, you know, uh, instill my beliefs in her, she um, challenged me to question my beliefs and really become more empathetic towards other people and decisions they make and why their life is is there and and as a result I um opened up what I was reading and learning and um and so I feel like um just being a mother to my particular child helped um, I would say free me of some of the chains of small thinking that I had been raised with. Mm. And I know that that sounds very negative to say small thinking, but I think that it was very just black and white, cut and dry. This is this, this is that. And um, without really thinking about, for instance, the, the, the decisions that lead someone to, um, to make an abortion, it was like, oh, people are just using abortion as a birth control. Like they're just, you know, like forget using the pill. It's just like, you know, those kinds of like inflammatory thinking where it's like, eh, when you really start to think critically about it and <laughs> read data and like understand, like it's not, it's not so caught and dry or I think negative and, um, so like I even apologized to people that I found out like had had and then had been like, you know, kind of caused rifts in relationships over mm. it because I was so like um, down on them for making a decision that was right for them and really was not my business to make them feel badly about it. Yeah. And so I think that um, I, I, I do wonder often, well, not often, but when I think about such things, I do wonder if I had gone down my original path of going to college, getting my master's in teaching, teaching, staying in probably in South Carolina or somewhere like that, um, and staying along that prescribed path. And perhaps, you know, Audrey doesn't come to being because I hadn't taken the break from college and, you know, all of that, like, where would my mindset be? Would I still be someone that um, tries to lead with empathy and um, and more open thinking? Um, or am I just the product of, of this amazing child? Because, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know if you ever do the thought experiments on, you know, when you are reading a book about history and thinking, okay, if I was a German living in um, Berlin and I had Jewish neighbors, would I have turned them in or taken them in? If I was a, um, I, I think um, like a, a white person in South Carolina in the early 1800s, would I have, you know, what would my viewpoint have been towards the, you know, African-Americans that were living in the area at the time. Um, and, you know, just kind of thinking of those things, like if I had been a white kid going to school in the 60s, would I have been throwing rocks at, you know, the people that are being, you know, integrated into my schools? And so I really try to, to think, like, what kind of person would I have been in these different, you know, points in history? and um, 
And I think to where I am now, and I'm like, oh, you know, I would have been vocal against it. Would I have been active against it? I think about my lack of doing things now. And it's like, well, you know, maybe I would have been like, oh, that's so wrong. Mm-hmm, <laughs> maybe not mm-hmm. have done something. But but then I think about like who I was maybe 20 years ago. And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I might have been swept up with it because I think that there's a thing where you do get swept up in your community's um, perspective. And there's a lot of, of, I think, that that goes with being in those different junctures and in, in um, time where, you know, it's the rare person that st- takes a stand against the thing. It's not it's not the norm. Yeah. And so you want to say like, I would be, I would be the one that goes against the flow and hope that you would, but then you have to look at the reality of like, what are you doing now in the face of different things? And where do you stand? And it's like, I want to be on the right side of history at every juncture. And then the reality is, um, are you, you know? Um, that's a lot to unpack there (laughs) but I totally I totally agree um I it just reminded me um yesterday um I follow the Holocaust Museum on Instagram and um yesterday February 22nd was the anniversary of um this group of teens called the White Rose Regime um or no the not the white rose regime, but the white, the members of the white rose. And they, um, they tried to convince their German fellow German citizens to, um, to rise up against the Nazis and they were executed. It was just basically three teenagers. And it's just, it's one of those things that's like, Oh my gosh, it's awful. It's inspiring. Wow. Incredible. And, um, and you also have to think like um, we're not living in times that are are that different than right than theirs. Um, yeah. And would we be those people? And currently, um, I'm probably not being that person. <laughs> right. Um, and yeah, what does that say about your character as a as a human and as an empathetic person? But I think, I think, um, well, those are, those are tough. (laughs) I think to answer for myself, I would always hope that I would not be like, I really don't think I would be the person throwing rocks at, at, at a child, you know, a classmate. Um, but would my home life, you know, what would my home life be like? Would my parents be like railing about integration and I would absorb that and think like, oh, maybe they have a point or would, you know, I, I think, um, I guess engaging with things like that, uh, is really hard. It's really hard. It, it, it is. I think that's why it's so interesting. And, and I think a good checkpoint for yourself to, to, um, try to understand like, um, when I, I try to think about, you know, where I have come in my viewpoint to a lot of things and it, and because like you were saying, like everything is 
is available and out there and like knowledge and, and just information overload. And it's hard to say how immune you are from being swayed by your information bubble even like, you know, and, um, and so trying to check yourself, like how independent is my thinking? How, um, strong am I in, um, resisting kind of this group bubble think like, you know, and, and that I think is like even a challenge too. And, um, there's just, it's, I think just a hard, hard to be a person in today's, you know, age and, um, and not feel swayed in the tide of that goes one direction, um, versus another. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd want to back up <laughs> because, um, as, as you, as you said, like, um, and I, uh, I think, and we talked about this last time, Audrey's your daughter and I'll, and how old is, how old is she now? She's 22 now. Okay. 22. So let's go back to like, college and right before she was born because I think that's another thing like a lot of people might have thought like wow you know Rebecca's making these big adult decisions at a really young age like what's gonna happen her life is gonna explode um and you're doing pretty well right now (laughs) (laughs) well yeah and I think like um so college me has kind of like college before Audrey and college kind of like after getting married and then having Audrey. But I I think, um, you know, college, the first two years, you know, my family had all moved up to South Carolina or up to Seattle and I was in South Carolina. So my community became um, a lot of my friends that I had from church and from high school. And, um, and so church was really central to me still in college. There um, was not a me that, uh, oh, my family's gone. I'm going to start drinking and partying and, you know, (laughs) doing drugs and all of this stuff. No, I was the one that was judging anyone that was doing that. Mm. And just like, oh my gosh, like whatever. And being, Um, being kind of vocal about it too, from what I understand. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) Like letting people know, um, about that. Like I, um, I was just definitely a very judgmental, person um and let you know people know uh, in some instances uh, and and the sad thing is that those are good friends that I'm letting know that I'm them. um so like my community was still very much church like I was at church um you know Sunday morning and often Sunday night and then you know the uh whatever during the week like I would go to um what is it the Christian athletes thing um, oh yeah that- group on campus and then um there was also the church like college group so there was at least probably four instances of of church a week and then it was just like hanging out with all the church friends and then you know so my life was very much um that and I enjoyed it I enjoyed my community and I loved it but I wouldn't say that like my first two years of college were um, much about me growing as an individual. I don't think that I really changed, um, much during that time. I just kind of, um, in, 
uh, further ingrained myself into that comfort of church and my family was my friends. And um, so I um, just really kept a lot of um, my beliefs the same um, and, uh, and, you know, my comfort the same. I, it was like church was my life um, before college and church was my life in college. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that my sophomore year of college, I maybe got a little tipsy, like, I don't know, two or three times, like, we had a house, and we got, you know, we had a party, and it was just like, oh, we were so naughty, and we would go out and have, like, a drink, because there was, like, this bar that we would go to that would serve in Five Points um, Mm -hmm. in Columbia, and they would serve us, and like oh I'm gonna have a Midori sour or oh gosh (laughs) so gross one of my friends just had one over the weekend and I took a sip of it and I'm like that's so gross oh my god yeah (laughs) I was like of all the things I was like Audrey's really liking those now but she was in her early 20s so that's where I was when I was drinking those you know all the sours like Midori sour amaretto sours like yeah oh I can't handle that Um, so yeah, the first part of college was, was still very much in, in the church mode, I think. And then the second part of college, like, so I'd taken that year off between sophomore and junior year and got married and brought my husband back with me to South Carolina because I'd taken the year off in Washington state. And we are married. We are Let's see. This is like I, I I think I'm 21 at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and to I didn't I no longer felt at home in the college group at in church because like literally no one else is married. <laughs> and so then I'm like I guess I'll go to the call or the marrieds group and holy moly, like everyone's like 10 years older than me. So I just feel like a freaking baby. Like no one's in college and um, they're nice, but it's like, we we don't have anything in common at all. It's mm-hmm. not like I'm starting a career and like have a house and whatever. I'm just like still a struggling college student and just with a band around my finger. <laughs> so I think that that was really the beginning of the end of me feeling at like the church was my home because it no longer was the community that I just felt right at home with. It always Mm -hmm. been like the, the, my home. And it, at that point, I no longer felt like I had, I had that at all. And that was so, so important to me forever. And, um, so I started just going to church less and less, and it was just like a completely different thing. It was like without that deeper community of the smaller groups versus just going to the service on Sundays, which we continued to do, because um, I'd married someone that wanted to be a pastor. But um, I think for him, like he's out of his comfort blanket, um, his comfort zone, because he's out of Washington State for the yeah. first time. <laughs> And for me, it was like, I'm no longer with people that, um, that I, I can identify with that we just, you know, become deep friends and all of that. So, um, it just became kind of a blank and, and also it affected my friendships with, um, my 
friends before because it's not the same when you're married like at all so it like there was just this grand shift between my I freshman sophomore year were just wonderful college like typical college experience dorm life renting a house with friends whatever and then married life and it was like bam like Mm -hmm. in all the senses from friend to be you know relationship when I had never had a boyfriend before. I just got me a husband, which is <laughs> so wild. Oh Lord! Wow! Um, wow! And we should also so, say you're you're no longer married to that person. No, no, <laughs> yeah. no. Now I am just celebrated my eighth wedding anniversary to um, yay wonderful man, and I <laughs> am very thankful because you know it's a hard decision to get a divorce, especially when you've. Um, your life has been church and everything and definitely had people telling me like God did not call you to be happy. He called you to, you know, stay in your marriage basically. And I was just like, Oh, that's not going to (laughs) happen. Good. Good. Those Um, people are. And I think that maybe at a different time that would have, have really deterred me. But I, a big catalyst for me was like that my mom had stayed with my dad for probably 20 years longer than he should have. And I just couldn't see myself doing that to my kid even. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think that it has a negative impact on your child when you are in a very unhealthy um, relationship. You're not creating a healthy home for your child. And so that was such a driver for me. Yeah. Yeah. So much, much better (laughs) when you're in a happy relationship for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think I mean, we could, we could do, we could, we could talk for hours about just the, 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 like you said, like the wonderful positive things about like being in college or being like college age, like that 18 to 22 time frame, And also just how susceptible you are to, you know, a real unhealthy relationships, unhealthy choices, like feeling like you have to make huge decisions about your future when your brain isn't completely formed. And um, I know that um, I I met I met someone. Um, I worked at a Lutheran camp during the summer times, which was mostly wonderful. Um, but I put so much, um, emphasis on like, oh, this is going to be life changing. I'm going to meet like my future spouse here. I'm going to meet my best friends here. And I, and I did meet like some amazing people, but when you're, when you're at that age, when you're feeling, when you're expecting so much, it can open the door to some really negative people, negative things coming in. And, um, and I did meet someone who, uh, you know, we, the, the relationship was, was very negative. Um, but even prior to that, I met a girl who, um, I just assumed had the same religious beliefs I did because she was working at a Lutheran camp and we're like, you know, Lutherans are, pretty much like pretty liberal as far as Christianity is concerned, but, but she didn't, she was, she had really different beliefs and I absorbed what she believed and felt like, Oh, I, I'm not doing this right. Like I need to be, 
I need to be doing all these things she she's saying I need to do to be like holy and pure and came back um, from that first summer, fall of my sophomore year. And um, just I, I made some really regrettable choices as far as some of the people in my life and and like condemned them in ways that now is just so heartbreaking to me because I felt like, oh, this, this person is like Satan trying to get, get to me, you know, like I'm trying, like they're trying to tempt me and, um, and feeling like then I would like, I would make a mistake. Like I, I would, I would drink too much. And then it would be like this sort of, um, this like flagellation, like, oh my gosh, I'm like an awful person. I ruined my, I ruined myself. Um, like really like lots of highs and lows that you could never, you could never like live up to that level of like, you know, I'm, I'm like totally pure and I'm like praying and I'm doing all the right things. And then like, you know, whatever will come to me, good luck or, you know, holiness. It's, it's, it's kind of a, <laughs> kind of a mind fuck. <laughs> it is. Well, it, you, what you saying um, about, how being with this person that made you like kind of changed your mind about um how to be holier and therefore like your friends were not as holy enough or whatever Mm -hmm. like it reminded me of growing up and how I was kind of raised thinking about people who didn't go to church or how people should be and all like how people should be and how people act when they're at church versus like the people that don't go to church, how they are kind of like this godless mess. And, um, I remember like, um, one of our friends that you actually know, like going to her house, she was one of the few people that I knew that was like completely like no religion in the house, like whatsoever. But like the parents were, still together and like love each other and all of the children um were great and like the my friend is not like going out and drinking and like isn't allowed to do that or wouldn't do that and isn't like going out and having all of this like sex and all of this stuff and I'm just like no church and they like still have morals like (laughs) literally like my my thought of people who didn't go to church like at all were like that oh it's just a free a free reign like everyone no morals like people aren't out there raising their kids right like you don't have any manners or so it took me a long time to um kind of rectify in like in my brain that like going to church <laughs> does not equal like um, morality or a certain level of living or whatever, like that you don't have to go to church in order to, um, not like go have a lot of sex or not, um, drink all the time or all of these things that I just kind of made assumptions or like, or care about raising your children to be good people. Mm -hmm. Like it was just so interesting. Like, um, the kind of 
surprise that I had that at, <laughs> at like meeting this family and feeling like they were more together than my family who was like, <laughs> like I always felt like was living this dark secret of like the way we would present versus the way our family kind of was was just so different and being kind of behind the scenes spending the night at this this house and like oh my gosh this is like how I wish my family was like and they don't go to church and it's like oh I guess that that's not that doesn't have to be the component in creating a home that is Mm. um beautiful and like giving you a childhood that you don't have to have years of therapy before and heal from and all of this stuff. <laughs> and so I think that, that that was really interesting to me. And I think that I I still think about little me that like thought of thought that. And I remember like meeting like finding out that one of my friends in high school that I'd known a long time told me that she goes to church every Sunday and I'm like, you do? <laughs> what? Like, no way. She's like, well, you don't think I am? And I and, and I'm like no. And I think about how I was and I was like, I don't think anyone would ever be like surprised that I go to church. Why am I so surprised that she goes to church? And I was just like, you do not seem like someone that goes to church. Just like, <laughs> I think she would swear. And she definitely like, um, had sex and drank and all of the stuff. And for me, it was just like, those things did not equate in my mm. mind. And, um, now that I know, you know, like whatever, but, um, but it was just it was just interesting the um interpretations that i had um and assumptions that i made about other people um based on my thinking about what going to church and being a christian means to who you are outside of church and then also how your home life is going to be based on going to church yeah and like so i would say that high school was where I started to understand that hmm, maybe all that I have been um, <laughs> raised to think is not the reality of, um, of the way that, you know, things are like going to church doesn't mean that um, you have this happy, healthy home and not going to church doesn't mean that you don't. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that really just kind of, again, yes, challenged my, my thinking and my understanding of what, how church influenced home. Yeah. I, I mean, similarly, um, I, 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 the, the family that I think you're think, I think you're referring to, um, you know, hearing that like our friend was like, at least at the time, like atheist or agnostic and Mm -hmm. like, that was something that I was always kind of taught to be afraid of. Yeah. And then, but then like in college and as an adult, I would say at least half, maybe two thirds of the guys I dated were atheists. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, how, I don't know how this keeps happening, but clearly like, you know, it's not like, um, it isn't something to be afraid of. It's, you know, your, your family's experience does not have to be another family's experience and your personal religious experience does not have to be somebody else's. And, um, yeah, it's so, it's so, it's funny, but also, um, a little, a little embarrassing to admit. (laughs) 
Well, I think it's a little bit of that. Like, there's so much that fear, I think, that is a part of um, a part of the curriculum that I was raised with, at least, that like, if you don't, then you burn, you know, if Mm -hmm. this, then that. So there's a lot of fear. So I think that that was so much of why I continued to walk that line when I got to college, because that fear was so inbreded in me that it's like, oh, I am too afraid to date. I'm too afraid to um, really experience anything outside of um what I'd been experiencing and, you know, even kept me from like studying abroad because I was, you know, afraid and like leading with fear um, as a way to keep me in line such that like I was even, I think I might've mentioned it last time that I was afraid to take a religious studies class because learning about other religions is taboo. Mm -hmm. And like, why would you want to do that? Like you already know the straight way. And it's like the more knowledge you have, the riskier, it is because the less likely you are to stay on that line. And, um, and so I think that it behooves whoever is raising someone along this line to like prevent them from knowing more. And, and it was like, you know, these little baby steps where it's like, Oh, being a Christian in the home doesn't equate it to this. And, and all of these things that it was like, I started seeing when you start stepping out of that, that, that small little world that I'd always been in, as we moved around, it was like my family unit and then other Christian family units. And it was like, I never was exposed to non-Christian people really at all, like (laughs) never in their homes or, you know, it was like always, you know, our little church bubble because that was all that was our community whenever we moved so yeah that's all I ever really had and going to a public school and hanging out with you know any not you know whatever kids <laughs> for the I've gone to Christian school so many times that it was just like wow so yeah, yeah. I, I think it's um you know those little chinks in the the armor of my upbringing that um that started you know yeah well, I think um, I we just have a few minutes left, and in this this last part, I feel is kind of big, but I think it's important to talk about. Like, um, you you lost your mom a few years ago, yep. and I know that was and and continues to be um, challenging uh, for your whole for you and your siblings. But I also, you know, I want to hear a little bit about that relationship, especially as you kind of gravitated away from some of this thinking that you were taught, like, how did that affect that relationship? And also, like, how does it affect the way you're, you sort of process that whole, um, you know, the relationship with her before and, and your, and your relationship with her after now that she's gone. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's really interesting because, you know, my mom, um, continued to very much want us all to go to church and she'd want us to go to church with her. And, um, and so it it was always really important that we we continue down that line. And I think that of all the kids, interestingly enough, like I was the one that 
um, I would say stayed the closest to any kind of religion. Like, you know, I took Audrey to church and she would ask to go to church and we would go to church. Like, so, um, you know, I think the last time that I went to church was probably, um, like five years ago or something. So it's like something that I've continued to do. I just, I, and want to, to do. And, um, so I didn't leave that completely behind and I would tell her like, Oh, I go to this church and you know, whatever. Um, and I think none of my siblings, like at all, you know, it was like, um, my mom, when she and my dad's, um, were done in like, you know, the late nineties, like she didn't, I don't think went to church. Well, I guess they did. Um, they went to a church in Seattle for a while and then I think they all just kind of stopped going. So like, that's not something that I don't think any of my siblings have ever taken their kids to, to, um, church. So like that wasn't, it was really important to my mom, but I think all of us were like, yeah, we'll go to church with you if you want. And, um, but, uh, it wasn't something that we carried on. And I think that, you know, it did hurt her. She would say like, it is my wish that you go to church and, you know, try anything. <laughs> oh, she <could> no. <laughs> to, like get us to go and, you know, all uh, of that and trying, trying, trying. And it just, um, it wasn't something that we all felt a calling to do or like a place to be like finding that home, um, that I had found in, you know, South Carolina. So I think that, um, that was the big, that was the big difference is that, you know, as adults, we all like didn't do it. And if, if she would say like, let's go, we would go. So I, yeah, I think that that was interesting, but post her, you know, um, death, uh, which is like two and a half years ago now. Um, we, I think my siblings fell apart for a while, like, you know, without a dad, without a mom, and we were just kind of rudderless and, um, didn't really see each other for a while. Like I saw Katie, but not really the others. And we were just kind of like, you know, and, um, it's tough, but now we have a very active thread with the four of us. We're talking like, um, sometimes for hours through a day and, uh, but almost every day we're sending each other something. And so I think like we've started to grow stronger um, now and we never had an active thread like this before her. And so I think like in a way that we're getting closer, um, you know, we're together at Christmas and, um, and I think that, you know, we talk about my mom, like there's things that will remind us of her and, um, my sister and I dream about my mom, like all the time. So we'll, we'll share, like, I dreamt about my mom last night. And mm -hmm. I think that's heartening is that my mom is with me, um, a lot and in a way that I never expected. Um, and that is welcome. It is nice to, to see her. And sometimes I wake <laughs> up and I'm like, is she alive? I'm like, no, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I have to like double check myself, but, um, so I think that um, it's been a, a period of growth in so many ways for all of us to learn, like, what is it like to be these child, you know, parentless children who um, still feel like little kids and, you know, uh, trying to huddle together. And I feel like with, with these text threads, and we're talking about our memories and 
and things like that. And we were like wondering some things about like our grandparents who all died when we were very young. And I was, I'm the only one that remembers my mom's mom Mm -hmm. or my mom's dad. My mom's mom died before we were born. So we never really even had that grandparent experience. Mm -hmm. We feel like we barely had the parent experience. But um, we were like asking each other questions and it was like, oh, the only person we have left is my aunt to ask. Like there's literally no one else. Yeah. So like, gosh, I feel like we need to sit her down and ask her all the questions. (laughs) We're like running out of time. And I think that's the big piece too, is like, there's so many things I want to ask my mom. And I'm like, why didn't I ask her? before it's like those things didn't occur to me and you know um Andre got me this book that is called a mom's story a memory and keepsake journal for my family and I think that she's felt that in us this kind of yearning to know more um I think part of it is that my mom like before she was married or before she became a Christian um, lived a whole other life, like Mm. a whole, like she was, you know, partying and like doing drugs and like all of this stuff, but that was like (laughs) not ever talked about. And we didn't know about it till she was in, um, like, you know, we were fully adults and all of that. And now I'm like, I I want to ask her so many more questions about that. Yeah. Um, But so I think it's interesting that Audrey has felt that yearning in us and got us this, got me this book and uh, reminds me that I should. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah. So I think, I mean, it's, it sucks and you know, it sucks to, you miss your mom like every day. Um, but uh, you kind of try to find your own grounding and, and a reframing of what family and home and all of that means in, in the absence of that person um, who um, was challenging to the very end, um, <laughs> but, you know, was still mom and dad oh, yeah. for so long. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like our moms... Uh... I, I, well, I feel like our moms could be chatting right now. Yeah, yeah they're out <laughs> commiserating, <watching> us. <laughs> commiserating about us. Yeah. yeah, I think it is. You know, it, it, there's never. I've, there's probably never a time when it feels normal. Like, oh, you know, about now, you know, is about the time that like it makes sense for like a parent to to die because they've lived a long life because you're always their child for for better or worse. (laughs) But yeah, but I, I, I definitely dream about my mom and it, it's just, it is so comforting. And I know that other people would probably have different experiences whenever, whenever someone who has died shows up in my dreams, I just feel like it's such a gift and it makes me want to, um, I mean, it definitely makes me reflect on that person and how people stay with us even after they're gone. And um, I think dreams, I, I'm not like new agey, whatever, but I think dreams are like pure magic. <laughs> so I, I, agree. I just think it's so interesting how, how my brain just kind of um, 
we'll have this like crazy adventure and my mom's just there and along for the ride and it's like I love it like thanks for adding my mom to the mix of this weird weird dream and like she's just there and I love it (laughs) so it's like I get to keep enjoying her like at least once a week Mm -hmm. so Mm. yeah it means a lot yeah that's great well, it's been really good talking. Um, <laughs> I feel we could definitely keep going, um, but I I think we've I think we've covered quite a lot, and uh, yeah. and I'm just really grateful for you taking the time to talk a little bit more. And um, I'm just I'm so glad we're we're not we're not far apart from each other. Um, yeah. I think so- I. Yeah. <laughs> so nice. I know. It's and so crazy still to think that like our our crazy paths led us to within an hour of each yeah. other. Yeah. Well, yesterday I almost I was like halfway to you by oh, yeah. um I had to I had to pick up some stuff in Mount Vernon and there was a there was a car accident that slowed me down. I <laughs> I was listening to a book on CD and I got so distracted that I missed my exit. And I was like, I might as well just keep going and go to Rebecca's house. (laughs) Yes. You do need to do that. I need to steal you away again and bring you down here for a weekend. And uh, so we can have some more wine and chats. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Tons of non-recorded chats. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca, and I hope that you enjoy this beautiful February Western Washington Day. Thank you for having me, Ashley.